Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy, joined by my tremendous colleagues, Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. We are in a very exciting part of the year with teams making playoff pushes, uh, some teams playing three games in eight days. So the first question I want to throw to you guys, does it feel like that all-important time of the year, or do you think teams are still trying to get their feet under them uh, after the lengthy layoff from the storm? Uh, well, the schedule certainly says it's important. I mean, in terms of, you know, this week and next week is really going to determine who our district champions are. Um, by watching and seeing some of the results from last week, I don't know that the teams are really, you know, primed for this time of year yet, but uh, they don't have much time to get ready. So I, I guess those games are going to be played whether they're ready or not. So um, it, it's certainly going to make for some exciting and interesting games. Yeah, and you got a handful of games uh, you know we should have the vast majority of our districts decided this week if not next week very exciting slate you know it kind of uh, worked out this way just because of uh, the circumstances uh, a couple weeks ago but overall a great slate of games this week it, I'll admit it was tough for us to kind of pick a game of the week because there's at least three that could have uh, qualified um, but you'll find out which one that is uh, later on in the pod I will say uh Last Friday was the first time since the storm because I've I've been to a lot of blowouts. You know, understandably, you know the quality of play is what it is. But last Friday when I was at uh, the Ida Baker at Riverdale game, it, it was the first time I saw a really quality contest. The, the defenses for both those teams played really really well. Um, the game was ten ten at the end of the third quarter. Uh, then Riverdale pulled away uh, with a, a couple touchdowns to get the victory there. And I, I just want to give a shout out to. Riverdale's two safeties, A.J. Baxter and Jaheim Clark, two guys, Division One commits, who, who really lived up to their billing. They were flying all over the field. Uh, A.J. Baxter had an interception at the end of the half. Uh, he was doing a lot on offense. Jaheim Clark had a terrific rundown of what looked like a, a breakaway touchdown by Baker, uh, Baker's Michael McDonald, but he ran him all the way down uh, for, it was only a 71-yard rush instead of a, a touchdown, so it was really good to see that, and you know, it sets up a, a really exciting contest in the district next week against Lehigh. Don't forget about Touchdown Terry. Yes, Touchdown Terry Jackson, who scored all three of the Riverdale's touchdowns in that game. Uh, Coach Hepler called him their secret weapon. He had a terrific game, and you know, with those three, it's a really exciting time for for the Riverdale team, um, who are doing great under uh, their first year with Coach Hepler. So, I want to uh, start with Dan. Um, what what do you think you learned from this week of games? Uh, well, the game I was at North and Mariner kind of learned that Mariners getting better, but they're not really there yet. Uh, North really dominated them uh, defensively. Uh, Mariner had uh, less than 50 yards of total offense, negative yardage in the second half. North, um, kind of their trademark, a little slow to get started on offense, but then really picked it up. And uh, I mean, Bo Somerset, um, probably one of the most well-rounded players that I've I've seen um, you know even going back to when I covered football earlier uh, in my career here I mean he's, he's their top running back uh, top pass catcher and he's really a hell of a punter I mean he pinned Mariner and Mariner was going to have some trouble moving the ball anyway but he pinned Mariner inside their own 20 yard line on the first four possessions um, does that little sort of rugby run out punt where you're not sure if they're going to fake it because he definitely has the ability to pick up a first down if he decides and has a look. But, I mean, he's that, that field position, if he's able to do that, if Norris able to make it to the postseason, he's able to do that in the postseason. That's just, that's just one more weapon uh, for them. And, and the fact that it's, it's one player for North that can do all those things, I, I mean, I think that really speaks to his, his ability. And, and North certainly going to use him in any way that they can. Uh, Mariners already surpassed their win total for all of last year, but they're just, just not there yet really on, on the lines. And the good news is a lot of those sophomores and juniors on the lines are going to be back next year hopefully for Mariner so it'll be a year older a year stronger and and I think maybe next year is the the year that Mariner can kind of make that push toward the top of the district 
Yeah, uh, Somerset threw a touchdown pass, so on one of those fake pump plays at a game that I was at this season. Uh, Alex, what, what game caught your attention? Um, I was obviously at, at probably the biggest game in Southwest Florida this year. It was American Heritage going to Naples. Um, Patriots, um, way too much for the Golden Eagles in a in a game that you know it, it was a three score game. Uh, Heritage won by eighteen points, thirty five seventeen. Um, Naples had problems defensively, kind of, with Heritage moving the ball at will. Um, Heritage got into Naples territory on every single possession. Um, they they came away with five touchdowns on seven chances. Um, they were in the red zone or in a goal-to-go situation looking to go up, I think, 14-3 at the time. Uh, Blake Murphy, the Heritage quarterback, tried to extend a play. Um, and Luke Walker tracked him down from behind. Thompson DeFolmes recovered the fumble. Big uh, stand by Naples. Um, but, you know, the, the combo of, of Mark Fletcher and Brandon Innes, the two Ohio State commits were just were way too much. Uh, Fletcher ran for 184 and two touchdowns. Um, Innes had five catches for 58 yards and um, drew two defensive pass interference penalties. Um, on Jonas DeClona and Kensley Faustin, one apiece to extend drives. Uh, one of them resulted in points. Um, but, you know, Heritage just wore them down um, on the on the line. You know, it was just four yards here, five yards here with Fletcher, and then break off a 10- to 12-yard run, uh, a pretty consistent and healthy run game. The Naples D-line, you know, got worked pretty good um, by Heritage there. Um, and they did a pretty good job for the most part of just not allowing points. You know, it was a, a game where Naples only had 10 points offensively. Um, seven of that came on a kickoff return, uh, a short kick that Ben Boozy took back. I think it was somewhere in the 70-yard neighborhood. Um, took it back to make it 21-10 uh, to 10 at the time. So, you know, Naples has, has some work to do. Um, definitely not their best night by any means Heritage had over 400 yards of offense but you know that's why they scheduled them you know they're not going to be playing a south florida team in the playoffs they're going to be playing a team like pine forest or rockledge or um, some of those teams should they get out of the region another big game was the battle of the unbeatens ecs canterbury the sentinels came on top 27 23 i think uh what the sentinels have uh that balance in their passing game with tanner Helden running game with James Blackwell. It, it really uh, came through in the end there. But uh, shout out to the Cougars, especially Leroy Roker, who had 30 carries for 246 yards and two touchdowns. That's uh, incredibly impressive. Dan, uh, any other results stand out to you? Uh, well, Vero was able to beat Mooney 27-24, but I think looking at that game uh, from a talent perspective, I, I think we all expected for Vero to kind of perform better. But just kind of shows that sometimes you get into those rivalry games and, uh, you know, a team like Mooney has had a disappointing season, had a lot of their better players, you know, transfer before the year. They kind of look at that one game as a way to sort of salvage the whole season. And uh, they they almost shocked uh, Vero. So that, that turned out to be a much better game than I was expecting. That's two games in a row now, or two games featuring local teams where Mooney's really – given uh, two local opponents a good game. Vero was number one, 27-24. And then, remember, Mooney took First Baptist to overtime. And, you know, First Baptist um, wasn't a position to lose the game. Mooney opted to go for two to try and win it 29-28. They did not uh, convert it. So, you know, they obviously lost that game. But, yeah, kind of surprised. Um, Carter Smith threw two picks. That's not him usually. He did throw for... I think it was over 200 yards, um, bringing his total to se- over 1,700 this season. He's accounted for 26 total touchdowns, which leads all Southwest Florida players, um, and it's not particularly close. But very surprised. Um, you know, maybe Vero is looking ahead. Definite possibility into uh, this week's game against Estero, but um, I imagine they're in a better mindset now, and that they're focused on one game and one game only right now. I also think it's a really positive sign that in a game where their offense might not be at their best, that uh, they were able to come through and get that win, um, especially heading into this uh, big game next week, which we'll get into later. Alex, any other takeaways from this week? Yeah, um, I believe you know Gulf Coast seemed to be pretty on. Uh, this was a Thursday night game against Moorhaven. Um, you know, they ended up winning quite handily. I think it was 22-point uh, margin of victory. Maybe it was 23. Um, but nonetheless, Gulf Coast hung 42 points on the road. 
against a pretty pretty talented Moorhaven team. Connor Barrett had a, a pretty good night. Um, you know, he seems to have uh, you know found consistency again as as we kind of expected him to this season. Um, he's looked really good since since the suspension, and maybe that was for the better. Um, you know, he had a solid game, uh, completed a fair amount of passes to be exact. It was 12 of 19 for 178 and two touchdowns, and he added uh, 33 yards on the ground. Um, but overall, you know, Gulf Coast needed this game, a nice little get-right game for them offensively, and uh, they'll be going uh, on the road. They'll be going inland uh, for a big district title clash uh, this Friday. One result in Collier County that shocked me was... Uh, <laughs> shocked, shocked everybody. <laughs> yeah, Laley shutting out Baron Collier 40 to nothing. It seems that uh, the Cougars just could not contain that rushing attack of the Trojans. Uh, Gershom Guerrero and Jakeem Tantalus, um, really impressive win for them, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, that, that's a huge win for Laley just because of the game that they just played right before that, right? And, and they played Naples. And I was at the game. It was, you know, it was almost sad. You know, Naples is just the clearly better team. Naples hung 59 points on them. Laley couldn't score. Um, but what a bounce back game for Laley and uh, it's Jakeem Tantalus, Gershom Gurrier. This team ran for 449 yards on the ground, and they averaged 8.8 yards a carry. Tantalus ran for 247 of that. Career ran for 172, and Tantalus added 52 passing yards. So what a huge game for. Laley and just in hoping uh, to make the playoffs, you know, they're still kind of on the outside looking in, but maybe a win like this changes that. Um, Tommy Mooncotch, safe to say he had his worst game of the year here. Um, every game leading up to this was pretty dang good, including the Naples game where he threw for nearly 300 yards, um, completed less than a third of his passes, three picks. Brody Graham did have four catches for 57 yards, but definitely, um, you know, a game that Barron didn't want to have heading into you know their big uh, game which will be next friday uh the fourth not this week's game uh they play easily but uh the, the game again on the fourth uh, against gulf coast and the catfish bowl and credit to uh, the Laley defense for for finding a way to slow baron down uh and after this break we are going to look ahead at some of the week 10 games Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Welcome back. We have several critical district games coming up on Friday, so I thought it would be a good time to take a deeper look at some of these teams and ask, have they proved themselves in your eyes? Uh, So first off, I want to get into the Estero Wildcats unbeaten so far this season. Alex, have they proved themselves? This is a, a very tricky question because, yes, they're undefeated. Yes, they have five shutouts. But at some point, you have to look at who they're playing, right? And they have, uh, according to the latest FHSA rankings, they have the worst strength of schedule of any team in Southwest Florida. It was, uh, I think, negative five or somewhere in that range. You know, this Faro game um, is going to be a big one. And I, and I said specifically, you know, in the first episode of this podcast, um, you know, when we were doing previews, that I said Astero is going to have a better record in terms of win-loss. I saw the schedule, and it was somewhat easier than last year's. Um, they didn't really have, um, you know, a second challenging opponent on it. Um, it was only Vero, um, and that was the only loss that I still I have for them this year. You know, they're probably going to have a pretty solid season and uh, maybe win a couple games in the postseason, but at this point, not yet. I, I'm just not I'm not there yet with Astero, um, just because they haven't played a team yet ranked inside of our top ten. Dan, what's your take on the Wildcats? Uh, yeah, I mean it depends on how you look at it. I mean, if you if we're talking about at this point, then I would say yeah, Astero's proved themselves. They 
beaten every opponent that they that they had out in front of them and shutting out four of them so if it is a little bit of a softer schedule well they've certainly you know kind of dominated in a sense uh, a good portion of that schedule they had a little bit of a scare against Key West but that's not an easy place to play um, they just beat Island Coast seven to nothing but that was I was at that game that was really poor uh, weather conditions so I think to this point they've done everything that would be expected of them um, they were favored in all of those games. They won them all. So uh, I'd say, yeah, now is there still room for them to grow against Vero? Well, certainly this is going to be their biggest challenge of the year. So I think, you know, it's, it's kind of out in front of them. But to this point, I'd say, yeah, they've proven themselves. Two very good arguments. Uh, let's talk about their opponent then. Uh, have uh, the Vikings proved themselves to you guys? Yes. That's uh, a quick answer by Alex. O- offensively, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, hands down, they, they have – you know, if they get if they need to get into a shootout, you know, they're going to score. Um, the defense still they have improved um, since that fifty six forty two loss to to uh, FBA. But in terms of where I had them before the season, I had them like at a five and fourteen. You know, at this point they're probably gonna be seven and two, seven maybe uh, eight and two. I think they ended up losing a game that they can't make up because of Ian, so it'd probably be seven and two. But this team has really made some strides in year two. Um, I think Tuki Watts is a, is a guy who we didn't really have on our radar at the beginning of the year, and he's their leading receiver at this point in time, and you know, primed to be somewhere on our all area team. You know, when we ha- when we sit down and have that discussion, um, Carter Smith's accounted for twenty six touchdowns. Deshaun Jenkins is an up and coming freshman that they're very high on um, offensively. Timmy Lawson, everybody knows him. Uh, you know, committed uh, to believe he's committed to UCF for baseball. Um, so a two-sport athlete there. Um, but, you know, Vero, very solid job. Beat Gulf Coast, beat Lehigh. Um, won games that, in my view, they probably shouldn't have. And, and, you know, just staying competitive in those games that they lost um, was a big, uh, you know, that, that really was eye-opening. I think we can all agree we we trust that Vero offense, um, you know, in a big moment. Uh, Dan, what is your take? Do you, would you trust their defense? Um, if they're in a shootout? I, I think it depends. I, I mean, I was at the Lehigh game. They gave up a ton of yardage in that game. Uh, Lehigh almost doubled them in yardage, but they were able to turn Lehigh over. They were able to stop them on downs. They were able to get turnovers. So they made the plays when they needed to make them, and I think that's really all you can ask of a defense. I mean, physically, they are not going to match up very well with most teams um, that they that they face. They're going to be a little undersized on defense, but they can certainly make up for it with their offense. And they probably played, uh, you know, uh, if you look at their whole schedule, probably some of the most entertaining games that we've had this season. Uh, I mean, that Lehigh game, was that was a playoff atmosphere and – I mean, they certainly stepped up for that, and uh, I, I think this week against Estero, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be a good game. I don't think they're just going to, you know, roll over Estero. I, I mean, I think Estero, when you get into the habit of winning, it kind of carries on sometimes. You know, when you're when you're used to making a play when you need to make it, when you're used to winning every week, it becomes a habit. Uh, so I think this is going to be a really good game. And you mentioned uh, that Vero game against Lehigh. What about the Lightning, Dan? Do you think that they have proved themselves? Well, they've proven themselves to be a disappointment, I think, so far this season. I mean, if you're thinking, if you're looking at them as a team coming in, I mean, we were picking the Lehigh Naples game way back, and that was the opening week of the season, and that we really thought that was going to be a really good game and and uh, really a chance for for Lehigh to kind of make a statement early on and they they've just not performed well this year um you know there's there's been some problems i i think with roster construction you know when you have so many transfers coming it, it's tough to kind of get that continuity early on and then when you have a break because of the storm that happened tough to get back that back the one thing they do have going into this week's game with Riverdale is they were off last week uh they moved that Charlotte game they were supposed to play Charlotte last week moved it up a week uh so they did have a week off to prepare for Riverdale but I mean I can't look at one area with Lehigh this year and say yeah they they met expectations either offensively defensively uh all around I mean but that doesn't mean they don't have time to salvage their season they could still find themselves in the same position that we thought they'd be in at the beginning of the season that's district champs it's right out there in front of them I just don't know how much confidence I have in them that they can actually do it 
Well, that said, uh, Lehigh is uh, unbeaten at home, and those were very high-pressure games. Alex, does that matter to you? Yeah, I'm, I was kind of more sh- more so shocked by the Charlotte score. Um, yeah. Granted, this is a Lehigh team that pretty much admitted that they weren't ready to play. Um, you know, that week, you know, they felt like the game should have stayed at the 21st. A couple people, you know, mentioned that. Um, but, you know, there was a lot going into this year for Lehigh. You know, they had high expectations. You know, could Richard Young build off a, a pretty much not a record-breaking season, but his best season in in high school? And, you know, at this point, you know, he might be lucky to break 1,000 yards. It's going to be – uh, tough, you know, especially if Riverdale wins this. Um, Lehigh's not re- Lehigh's not remotely close in the playoff picture if, if they lose this game. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be a must-win game uh, for them. And you know, Tyree Cunningham's going to need to have a game. I'm more interested to see who's quarterbacking this one because there's, you know, we've seen both quarterbacks play Dorian Mallory um, and Daryl Hodge. You know, Daryl Hodge gave them a spark on the road against Riverview in, in rainy conditions. Um, you know, a kid can throw the ball deep, um, can kind of give them a little bit of everything. But, you know, you got A.J. Baxter and Jaheim Clark in the secondary, and kind of be interesting to see how the Lehigh offense tries to attack Riverdale, you know, especially if, if Mallory's starting. Um, not not the best deep ball threat compared to Hodge, um, so that might m- limit the lightning in what they want to do. Um, but that's why we're waiting until Friday. You know, we'll have a better idea of which Lehigh team came to play and, um, be able to reassess next week. So, what do you think about Riverdale, though? Have they uh, proven themselves to this point, four and one compared to preseason expectations? Yeah, um, they, they've done a really good job. Frank Hepler, you know, coming over from South, grabbing a couple assistants, and really building something there. Um, I think the first two weeks, kind of a transition period for them. Obviously, a closer than expected game against Laley. And then getting shut out at Fort Myers in a game that only went to halftime, to my knowledge. Um, and, and then they've rattled off three in a row um, against Mariner on the road, Cypress Lake. As expected, you should, you know, shut them out uh, 42-0 before the hurricane. And then um, Ida Baker most recently on the 21st, winning by two touchdowns. Um, you know, you got to give it up to that coaching staff. Um, Riverdale is a team that, that was kind of lacking success in the final years of James Delgado after his first season in 2018 where they went undefeated you know made a made a decent little run in the postseason but um you know they're they're in good shape um especially um perhaps for the future i know they've got a lot of seniors graduating this year but this is a team that you know maybe they've got a chance at building something and maybe this is just the start of a uh, a more long-term project in terms of uh success out of riverdale Dan, there's there's no doubt that uh, the Raiders have beaten expectations, but uh, you know the wins they have maybe not the hardest schedule, and then you know the the shutout to to Fort Myers. Um, what do you think? Well, I I'd say that win against Laley looks a heck of a lot better after what Laley did last week. Um, I, I I think they made the right hire uh, with with Frank Hepler coming in. I mean, he came in late, very late in the summer, and then you have the hurricane in the middle of it, and you're still able to be four and one at this point uh, with only a loss to you know a pretty good Fort Myers team. And uh, just like Lehigh, they have their they have their postseason fate in their hands. I, I mean, if they win out, they're going to be district champs. And uh, this is a big rivalry game. This has been a game throughout its history, Lehigh and Riverdale, where the team having the better season isn't usually the team that wins this game. Um, there have been a lot of upsets in this game. And, you know, it's, it's rare that Lehigh and Riverdale are in the same district. Um, that, that hasn't been the case throughout much of their rivalry. But it is now, so you're just putting those expectations on top of it. And Riverdale's at home, and I, I think they've got a good shot in this game. That's going to be one to look forward to on Friday. Uh, going into our next big game, Gulf Coast Immokalee, let's start with the Sharks. Alex, do you think that they have proven themselves to this point? Aside from the, the 13-12 loss to Golden Gate, yeah. Um, this is a team before the season. Now, I, I said it in the preseason pod, and you know, maybe a seven-win team this year. You know, a chance they go seven and three or eight and two, and heck, they're looking like they're going to be in really good shape to do that. Um, you know, this is a senior-heavy team, you know, Connor Barrett being one of them, uh, Joe Miller, Jack Griffith, Hiram Dusnip, uh, Mikey Justo, a handful of guys that, that are just looking to go out with a district title and maybe make a little run in 4S. 
Um, you know, Todd Nichols in year three um, has done a really solid job. One of the better coaching hires recently. But all in all, you know, the Sharks have pretty much done what they've needed to do. Um, you know, the Vero game, we all considered it a toss-up when it was happening. But, you know, this is Connor Barrett's last year. Wants to go out with a bang, and um, he seems to be uh, really wanting to do that here. And a win over Immokalee would put them into the playoffs, and then they'll be looking for their first playoff win, um, something that they haven't secured yet in uh, 24 years of being open. Yeah, there's a lot of experience um, on that Gulf Coast team. Uh, Dan, do you do you think that they can handle the pressure and come through? Um, well, I think this is their best chance, really, to do that. I mean, you're talking about a program that doesn't really have a you know a, a very uh, extensive history of of playing in big games that matter. Um, they haven't had a lot of success traditionally. I mean, it's been tough for them to get a foothold in Collier County with Naples, you know, far and away, and then Immokalee, you know, kind of as that number two team and it's been kind of you know traditionally I'm talking about and it's been hard for them to really kind of carve out their own their own space Um, so this is an opportunity to do that and I think a lot of people looked at this season as a chance for you know the Sharks to kind of make their mark uh, in this district and you know have a chance for the first uh, playoff win so it's going to start this week you know and that's a tough place to play at at Immokalee so I think we'll find out a lot about you know what was this the team in the preseason looking at them that you know we, we we kind of thought they were depending upon how they perform against the Indians. The reverse is going to be true on uh, the other sideline with Immokalee having a, a very rich football tradition. Uh, Dan, do you think the Indians have proven themselves to this point? Uh, I think they've uh, probably exceeded expectations a little bit just because of what the status of the program was before James Delgado got there. I mean, they've, they, they've been through a, really a non, you know, something that I don't know that we've seen in, in Immokalee in you know the period at least that that i've been familiar with them in the last two decades where you know the the program was just kind of in shambles i mean they did not not only uh not performing well but not really having community support not really having you know enough players really to fill out a, a program and he's kind of gotten that turned around pretty quickly i mean if you're looking at you know the three games they lost this year i mean Obviously, you know, getting shut out by Naples and Baron Collier probably isn't anything, uh, you know, to be ashamed of. That opening week loss to community school, you know, one-point loss, uh, community school, you know, has kind of been up and down this year. I think if that game wasn't any game but week one, Mockley probably wins that game. But just for Mockley to be in this chance right now, you know, this late in the season, to have a a district game still that matters, I, I, I think is a success for them this year. And I'd say especially for how young they are, too. This is a team where, you know, Gulf Coast is probably the favorite this year. You know, assuming this format stays, um, I, I think Immokalee can run this for, for the for the next couple years. Um, James Delgado, just like Frank Hepler, the two first-year coaches have done an excellent job. You know, Justin Compare is one to uh, look out for. Luke John-Baptiste, Trenon Villarreal. Um, some of these guys are coming back next year, and they've had a pretty solid. They've had their pretty solid seasons individually, um, but yeah, Immokalee, without question, has exceeded expectations because we didn't know what to expect. This is a team that was independent under Johnny Smith, and that's obviously a time that Immokalee fans want to forget and move on from. And they've, you know, come back into the FHSA in the highest classification. Uh, among the suburban schools and they're back in it and I think you know definitely encouraging uh, for James Delgado and company moving forward um, because I think it only goes up for from here for them. And real quick before we go to break uh, which of these games do you guys think will be the best this Friday? Uh, of the three probably going to go with um, Immokalee Gulf Coast. I think it's the closest one on paper at this point in time. Riverdale Lehigh potentially, um, but I'm going to go with uh, Mockley Gulf Coast. Selfishly, I'm going to say Lehigh Riverdale because I'm going to be covering that game. Um, but I, I would think that you know just just looking at what's happened this year. I mean, Lehigh hasn't really put together a four quarter performance. Um, they have a good drive and then they have a bad drive. You, you know, so I, I think Lehigh 
on paper should win this game and should win it pretty easily, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a good game. And I agree with Alex. Uh, Gulf Coast Immokalee, I think uh, I think that could definitely come down to the wire. And when we come back, we are going to make our picks for these games. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Go! Hello and welcome back. It is picks time and we've got a change in the leaderboard for second place. Dan DeLuca has moved into the second place position with a 41-17 and record and our defending champion Dustin Levy is two games off the lead at 40-18 and uh, in the postseason push. Dan, how are you feeling right now about that? feeling good i'm feeling like i'm hitting my stride at this point at the at the right point of the season so i think it's only going to get better from here peaking at the right time i would say so dustin uh you know you're you're in a you're in an odd situation here uh, uh, first to worst first to worst i mean how, how do you kind of uh how do you how do you come back from this one i gotta play a little offense gotta pull an adam fisher and uh try to you know, throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Well, fortunately for you, we've got at least, what, we probably got five weeks left of this maybe, four weeks at least. Plenty of time. Still anybody's ball game. Uh, I'm 42-16, and 16, clinging on to a one-game lead. Um, but we'll start it off. Uh, Thursday night football, Golden Gate at Laley. Uh, rumor is special guest will be at this one. Um, Dustin, both teams kind of have some momentum here. Um, can Laley continue that, or is Golden Gate going to bring it to an abrupt halt? I was really impressed by Golden Gate's uh, 47-10 win against Benita Springs last week. Um, that's not an easy team to play, um, but Trayvon Jean has had an incredible season, and I like their chances to win this one. I'm with you. Um, I'm also picking Golden Gate. That, that, that win was really eye-opening just because you know, Benita, you know, you know, they were losing games by 20 and tw- you know, 12 and whatnot. They lost by 37. Um, you know, that that was pretty eye-opening, as was Laley's 40 nothing win over Barron. But I, I think Golden Gate's going to uh, pick one up here. Um, I believe their second Thursday night game in a row, right? Um, I think they played last Thursday, so they got an extra day of rest technically. You know, I'm going to take the more well-rested team here. I'm going to take the Titans, Dan. I think I'm going to go with Laley. I mean, you beat Baron Collier 40 to nothing. You rush for 400 plus yards uh, against that team. You hold uh, them to 10 for 33 passing. I mean, that that's probably the most surprising result of the year. And they're at home. I think you know maybe they're pulling things together at the right time. I'm going to go with the Trojans. Okay, maybe a play to jump into a tie for first place. We'll see. Um, next game up, ECS-SFCA, effectively a district title game here. ECS will be going on the road looking to preserve their perfect record. Dustin, you know, a scare for them last week against a, uh, I mean, if you want to call them inferior, an inferior Canterbury team that doesn't play in the FHSAA. They're a SSAC team. Um, they only lose by four. Um, your thoughts here? Yeah, this is going to be one of my Hail Marys here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Kings uh, just because uh, I, I think they're just going to come out motivated for this one. You know, ECS, you know, rightly so, getting a lot of attention for for their unbeaten season. Um, they've done a lot of great things this year. But I, I'm just going to give the edge to the Kings because we know that they can score. This could be a shootout. Dan? Yeah, I think this will be a shootout. I just think ECS is a little more balanced offensively, you know, with LJ Blackwell running the football. Tanner Helton's been great this year under center. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of points scored. I just think ECS will score more of them. I'll go with Sentinels. Yeah, um, one thing to keep in mind here, ECS technically has more depth. In, in these types of games, it matters. SFCA has never really been a team that's been super deep, um, and, I, and I think fatigue will come in here, especially with with – the attack that ECS has. You got Tanner Helton who can throw the ball for 200 yards. You got LJ Blackwell who can run the ball for 200 yards. Um, Mac Mitchell, I think, uh, will keep an undefeated record, and I think 
you know, chance to become the last undefeated team in Southwest Florida. So I'm going to take uh, the Sentinels. Next up, a, a district clash, you know, a meaningless one essentially at that. Key West at Gateway. Um, the Conks coming up to Fort Myers. Lengthy drive, uh, unless if they take the Key West Express. But, Dan, we could start it with you. Conks or Eagles? I think this is a tougher game to pick than you might think. I think this is Key West's only road game this year. Um, and we know how tough it is for teams to, you know, go down to Key West and play. And this this could be the reverse for for them coming up here and really for the first road game. They had a shot against Estero. That was really their shot to kind of stay in the district hunt. They lost that game, so they might not have a whole lot to play for. They have to make the long journey. On paper, they should win the game, but I'm going to take a flyer. I'm going to take Gateway. Dustin? I am going to go with Key West. They are up against some challenges, as as Dan mentioned, but um, my hang-up would be with Gateway just not looking competitive since the return. And, yeah, that would be my big hang-up. And, you know, with Key West, common opponents, they put up 30 against Estero. So um, I'm going with the Conks. Yeah, the Conks um, should be favored here. You know, Gateway is averaging less than 10 points per game offensively. And they're allowing, you know, it's an absurd number of points defensively. They're allowing 39.8 points per game. And, you know, you can't win games like that. And that's simple football, especially if you're only scoring less than 10 points. Gateway's just, you know, they're just not in good shape right now. You know, they haven't scored in their two games coming off the hurricane. Shut out 67-0 Navarro, shut out 48-0 to Estero last week. I just don't think they're in a good place right now to win. Uh, I'm going to take Key West. Next game on the slate, Cypress Lake at Fort Myers. This game was somewhat interesting, uh, I think it was three years ago, um, when C.J. Shedd ran in a quarterback sneak to win the game in 2019. Um, but since then, you know, Fort Myers has seemed to have gotten past that. Thoughts on this one? Well, this is going to be the Greenies' third game in eight days, which is tough. But I like their chances to, to hang on for the win here. Um, Cypress Lake, you know, another team that uh, was dealt a tough hand after the storm. Um, they're, they also are coming off a lot of games that they played this past week. Um, so I like the Greenies. The one team that seems to have done pretty well since the hurricane is Fort Myers. And they I don't know if it was just getting healthy and getting rested and if the hurricane did that or not, or or just be just kind of like starting fresh again, right? And um, Fort Myers has seemed to have turned a corner um, for the better. And you know, they seem to be, uh, heading into a big district uh, title clash next week with Dunbar with a win. I'm going to take the Greenies as well. And, Dan, I imagine uh, you'll be in the same boat here. Yeah, I'll take Fort Myers. This is the 55th time these teams have played. Cypress Lake has won six of those meetings, and they've tied one. Uh, Fort Myers has beaten Cypress more than they've beaten other, any other team um, that they've ever played. And I think they'll get one more win against them. Of course. Um, Kind of stay in, uh, in the same uh, classification. We're going to go to Island Coast going to North Fort Myers. Remember the member media day, guys. Island Coast was very fired up for this game. Uh, I think it was 9 nothing uh, last year. I Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the game got called at halftime for whatever reason. Um, Island Coast felt like they had a shot. They didn't finish the game, but um, they've got a chance for redemption here. Dustin, do they get it? Island Coast might be fired up, but I know Dwayne Mack will have his team fired up. Uh, because I know he is very intent on uh, defending the West, and that's a very big uh, point of focus for them. And I, I think what they showed last week against Mariner, um, you know, helped me make this pick. So North. Yeah, and and Dwayne Mack's obsession with sharpies. Uh, got, got to give it to him. He refer he's referencing something I said in the pod. Uh, it was either in the preseason or in the first uh, pod we came back and recorded since Ian. You know, I, I think you know North's gonna pretty much assert their will here um, they seem to be trending in the right direction Bo Somerset's one of those big reasons um, maybe not a black sharpie maybe I maybe I should go and give uh, Dwayne Mack a red sharpie or something uh, I don't know how many they've got in the office but I'm going to take north 
Dan? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with North also. Big loss for them last week. Uh, Jaden Jones uh, hurt his knee on a touchdown reception. Um, he's likely not going to play. Uh, definitely this week. We'll see about the rest of the season. Um, I just think their defensive front is going to make it really tough for Island Coast, and they're going to have the best player on the field in both Somerset and North will win. Yeah, North is a team that you, you mentioned defense, Dan. They're, they're really um, – pretty solid they've allowed 27 points across five games this year they did a solid job against mariner shut him out and remember i mean only 10 of those points came against fort myers and 17 of them came against dunbar they've shut out three straight opponents um, with a decent chance of making it four in a row so uh north fort myers heavily favored there shifting down to naples collier county um first baptist going to csn in a battle for livingston road if you want to call it that um, this is a game uh, last year in the first quarter that I think I think it saw 50 combined points. CSN came out humming on offense, as did First Baptist. Um, I'll start it here. First Baptist should be able to win this game, um, but I think it's going to be closer than what people think just because the Lions still are not healthy. Jaden Booker did not play um, last week in their win uh, over Lemon Bay. Um, at this point, you know, we talked before the season in our preseason pod, Jane Booker was in position to become the Collier County all-time rushing leader. That seems to have uh, those chances seem to have evaporated. Five thousand at this point would be the the more likely scenario, being just the third rusher in Collier County to do it. But we'll see if he comes back this week. Uh, but First Baptist just too much, I think, uh, to defend Olson, Pat Henry, Preston Shemansky. Um, Rich Millian, et cetera, Sam Sprasio being another uh, up-and-comer. He's a freshman, and Ethan Crossen's back, and he threw for 300-plus yards uh, against Lemon Bay, so I'm going to take First Baptist. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think uh, the Lions had a, na- a nice bounce-back game against Lemon Bay last week with uh, Crossen throwing for four touchdowns, three to Olsen Henry, and then Preston Chemansky going off for, for 200 yards receiving. So I think they're in a good place to, to win this. Dan? Uh, yes, First Baptist is going to win pretty easily i think okay pretty easily that's i don't know if that's a hot take but we will we will see friday night um going back up to uh lee county going to the cape specifically mariner at cape coral this is the black and blue bowl um big rivalry game here mariner will be on the road for this one can josh nicholson get another win here dustin this is a tough one um this is the one i haven't picked yet because it could really go either way. Um, it's just hard coming off the layoff and you just not knowing how ready these teams are. Um, I'm going to go with the the Tridents to, to take this um, just because I've liked them from when I've seen them. I, I think they have some great athletes. Cape has a lot of talent too, um, but you know maybe just a miscue in the wrong moment might uh, determine this one. Dan? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mariner also. Uh, Cape's really played some pretty good defense this year offensively though it's been kind of anemic at times I mean they're just they're just a young team they're young on the lines and I think Mariner has a couple skill position players and Noah Tolbert and Justin Lewis that'll that'll make a couple plays that'll be the difference um I think it'll be close but I think Mariner will win speaking of defense and in their four games you know uh looks like yeah they went they're two and two in these games take out their game against Benita Springs they've allowed a grand total of uh looks like 34 points across four games and in their last three they've allowed um 29 so you know 10 points per game approximately just under that Cape's played really good defense and that's a testament to larry gary and isaac harvin um you know larry gary prides himself on defense but you know mariner big question marks um you know they got shut out 38 nothing and it didn't seem like you know, moving the ball was something that they did uh, against North, and they just didn't weren't able to come away with points. Um, a true toss-up, I think. You know, it's just a matter of what Mariner team really shows up. The run game wasn't there, um, but I think they're gonna get uh, get right here. I think Mariner will win this one, but I think it's gonna be last possession type game. Um, gonna be a lot harder for them, I think, uh, on the road. Next up, the uh, Battle of the Bell. District title game, effectively. Um, Lehigh going to Riverdale. Lehigh doesn't seem to play well on the road, but can they kind of change that narrative here? I think they can. This is a, 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 just such a tough one to call because Lehigh has been a disappointment, but it is hard for me 
with Ariel to get over that 28 nothing at the half loss to Fort Myers. You know, it, it's just when, you know, they line up against Richard Young, will they be able to stop him? And I have no doubt that uh, that their defense, which which played really well last week, is going to going to come out fighting but it's just whether they have enough with the talent like Richard but this is tricky and I think it's going to be a close one is this the Richard Young game Dan I mean I'm going to set I'm going to set his rushing line right now I'm going to say 217 and a half rushing yards you can take the over or under here uh I will take the under um Dustin, you sounded really pain there with that pick. There was like pain in your voice. Hey? <laughs> it, it's I I don't know. It's just I I was really impressed by Riverdale last week, um, and it, it made this a tougher pick than I would have maybe having not seen them. Well, I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't picked a Lehigh game correctly all year, <laughs> so just know that going in. Uh, this is the 27th meeting between these teams. I covered. My first year that I was here for the Lehigh News Star, I covered the fifth uh, meeting between these teams, and now we're at 27. Um, Lehigh leads uh, 15-11 in the series. They've won the last three in a row. I'm going to go with Riverdale. I I just think that Lehigh, for whatever reason, they have not been able to put it together this year. Could they win this game? Yeah. Should they win this game? Probably. But I'm going to pick Riverdale. I I just think they've been more consistent this year. I think coaching-wise, they're going to throw it all out there this week against Lehigh. Every play they've been saving all season uh, is going to come out against Lehigh. And um, weird things happen in rivalry games, and I think Riverdale will win. Yeah, you were right about weird things happening in rivalry games. I mean, Richard Young's freshman year in this game, um, to my knowledge, I think it was a lot closer. I think Riverdale might have won it, um, if I'm not mistaken. This is a Lehigh team that did go 4-6. and six. Actually, they won 21-6, to six, but nonetheless, a lot closer. But how effective is Richard going to be? You know, that's going to be priority number one. I think this is going to be a steady dose of him throughout the game. I think Lehigh's going to try and wear down Riverdale so they don't have to test Baxter and Clark, um, who I think are going to be prompted to tackle in space, which... You know, probably going to be their biggest task of the year. I just think whether it's Dorian Mallory running the ball or Richard Young, I just think Lehigh is going to escape here. Um, but I have a feeling it's just going to be ugly. It's going to be one of those games where you know maybe some sloppiness, you know penalties behind the sticks type game. You know I, I'm not sure what to expect, but uh, I'm going to pick Lehigh to repeat as district champs. Uh, I believe it'd be the th- third year in a row for them. Yeah, they won in 2019. No district in 2020. They won last year. and I'm going to have them uh, win in a three-peat. Second to last game, you know, you'll know what our game of the week is after this game. Uh, Gulf Coast at Immokalee. This will be for 4S16. Dustin, I mean, Immokalee has really made strides this year, and they're a fascinating team to follow. Um, is Gulf Coast too much? Yeah, this is tricky because I think coming into the season, we saw the district and we thought Gulf Coast really has a chance, but Immokalee has really surpassed our expectations. Um, I think the interesting thing with these two teams is Gulf Coast is is very senior heavy um, and Immokalee has some younger players, but I think that puts kind of the pressure on Gulf Coast here Um, and it's whether they can handle that pressure um, and, and, you know, do what they should do. And I'm going to like their chances to win that so the sharks dan yeah i'm gonna pick golf coast also i i think you know this has been sort of the game they've been building for like you mentioned they're they're a senior heavy team and they know that this is their shot and i i think they'll take advantage of it i think it'll be a good game but i think golf coast will come out on top yeah, golf coast um you know i'm picking them to win um specifically because of how they've done against the run in the past three games um they, they've allowed a yards per carry average um, that's just pretty insane. Um, you know, and we know Immokalee loves to pound the rock um, with Luke John Baptiste and uh, Justin Compare and, and Trainon Villarreal and quarterback keepers. Um, so I'm going to take the Sharks here to win it, move to 7-2, and two, punch their ticket into the playoffs, and uh, go into a big, big rivalry game with Barron uh, next week, which should be uh, pretty fascinating, I'd say. Then our last game, game of the week, Bishop Vero Astero. Vero is going to look to win the title here. Um, Astero is looking to go back to back. Um, Dustin, your thoughts on this one? We've got 
two district champs, uh, two defending champs going against one another, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, really exciting. It's, um, you know, will Estero keep it going? And, you know, last season they ran the table to, to close it out and win the district. I do not think that they're going to be able to do it this year. I have the Vikings. I think that offense has, has just been too much, and it's just hard for me to kind of uh, forget that spring game between the teams when it was just all row. Dan? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we do have that, that previous meeting between the teams that go off on. Estero defense has played, you know, just about as well as, as anyone could have expected them to play this year, four shutouts, but I, they're not – I just don't see them being able to score with Faroe, even if they put uh, together an all-time defensive effort. You know, maybe they can hold Faroe to you know 21 points, 24 points, and but I, I'm not sure that they can score enough uh, to stick with them. So I, I think Faroe wins this game. Faroe's depth of playmakers will win them this game. Yes, Jason Dakona probably takes away what half the field maybe for Carter Smith, um, but Faroe's just too quick in too many areas. Um, and I think, yes, the spring game spring games are you know not indicative of how teams are going to perform in the in this regular season. Example: Baron Collier, but that forty four seven game in the spring, um, it kind of gave you a feel for what Vero has to offer. And you know, Stero has never really been you know a team this season that can get into shootouts like this and respond with a score like Vero can, especially against First Baptist. Um, you know, I, I think Carter Smith's in line for a big game here. And, you know, a chance he goes over the 2,000-yard mark uh, this season with this game. So uh, I'm going to take Vero. I think they're probably going to win this one by a couple scores. So that'll wrap up the pick segment. Um, definitely uh, some separation across the board. Dan can take the lead. Dustin can take the lead. I can, heck, I can fall to third place here. So anything can happen going into the final week of the regular season. You know, you'll see our predictions for all of these games, um, you know, ones that we didn't even talk about uh, going into the week, uh, on news-press.com and naplesnews.com sports. You know, it's going to be one heck of a week, probably aside from uh, week two, guys, uh, probably the best week of the year. You know, district championships will be won. Playoff bursts will be, uh, will be won as well. So we're looking forward to it. Starts Thursday night. Um, you know, it'll carry over into Friday. But for Dustin Levy, Dan DeLuca, I am Alex Martin, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.